Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, I'm going to be previewing week two of the NFL. Obviously, week one has come and gone. Tonight, we're going to have Thursday Night Football Vikings versus Eagles. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know what lines I'm going to be taking tonight, so be sure to follow me over there at Murphy's League as well. But today's episode, I'm going to be covering key matchups first, then I'm going to be going into some of my favorite lines and favorite bets for the week, and then finally, I'm going to finish off with fantasy with some start and sit advice. So there will be timestamps located down below. I hope you enjoy this episode, and let's get right into it. So as I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to be starting with key matchups. I'm not going to be going over each and every single game this week. Um, I think that it'll just save all of us some time. If you have any questions about teams or games or whatever it might be, feel free to hit me up. If you got my number, feel free to text me. If not, you know, be sure to message me at Murphy's League on Instagram. But I want to start with four teams in particular because I feel like they're in a very similar boat. Steelers, Giants, Bears, and Bengals. If you're fans of any of those teams, you realize why I'm bringing up these teams first. Let's start with the Steelers. Um, first off, all four of these teams got their asses completely whooped last Sunday, and I think they're looking to make a statement game in week two, show that that was a fluke and not the norm. Obviously, there's no such thing as a must-win game in week two because basically every team can bounce back. Don't forget that the Bengals were 0-2 last year and have a chance of going 0-2 again this year. Um, so obviously... It's not like it's an absolute must win for any one of these teams, but I think morally uh, in the locker room and amongst your fans, I think a win would definitely go a long way for all these teams. So let's start off with the Steelers. The Steelers are going to be at home again, taking on the Cleveland Browns. I think some of the biggest question marks about this game is that can this Browns defense replicate what they did last week against Cincinnati, obviously holding them to under 100 yards offensively, or at least Joe Burrow was held to like 80-something passing yards they did an incredible job obviously the weather was terrible in that game but you know the browns pass rush showed up their secondary played really really well grant delpit at safety had one of the best weeks out of any defensive player in the entire league you hope as a browns fan that he can build off of that but again it's really going to come down to was this a fluke was this just the weather um was it just week one rustiness coming out of joe burrow because obviously he wasn't practicing for a while they're dealing with a calf strain in training camp so obviously that has to be the first question is can this rounds defense replicate its success from last week and is it really that good or was it just a combination of things i think it's a little bit of both i think it is a matter of fact that Burrow did miss a lot of time and the weather was really bad but I also do think that this Cleveland defense is much improved especially in the pass rush Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett up front do make for an incredible matchup against the Steelers offensive line I think they're going to have their hands full in that department obviously the Steelers never go down without a fight and you can't really count out Mike Tomlin but either way, I think it is going to give the Steelers some troubles, and it does show in the odds. The Steelers are currently two and a half point uh, underdogs. I would have to say I think I agree with those lines just based on how these teams looked week one. Obviously, you can't take everything at face value, but there is something to take away from that game there. Another question that comes up is will both of these QBs have better performances than they showed in week one, especially in Pickett's case? Honestly, both of them watson did not play well in week one at all it just really didn't matter because his defense was playing so lights out and then kenny pickett he looked awful really really awful problems with inaccuracy problems with decision makings 
uh, decision making, excuse me. Uh, so again, the question becomes, can these two quarterbacks bounce back? Again, are they going to show that that was a fluke and that's not going to be the norm? Only time will tell. That really is one of my biggest question marks in this game. Um, I'm not here to give too many predictions or anything like that. I mean, I think if I had to put my money on it, I would say the Browns are going to win this game. Obviously, there's a reason why they're favored in this one. Um, and I just really was not impressed at all from what I saw from Kenny Pickett. And it honestly does make me nervous as someone who was investing in Kenny Pickett for his sophomore year. Because I didn't even think he had to be excellent. Um, I just think he has to be like a B minus C plus guy and this team can win a lot of games. But week one, he did not look even like a C plus type of guy. He played really, really bad. Um, obviously, the pressure was getting to him a lot and his offensive line did not perform well. And that definitely did not help his case. I, you know, you hope if you are a Steelers fan that this offensive line can get better. It is a fairly young unit. Um, but this Browns defensive line is really damn good maybe it's not the Niners good but it is up there with the Niners as well my final question mark going into this game before I move on to the next one is will Joey Porter see more snaps in this one Joey Porter Jr. obviously very highly tied prospect out of Penn State um, son of Joey Porter you know Steelers legend I'm sure most of you guys know this already I was super high on him coming out of the draft he only saw seven snaps last week and honestly Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson were basically continuously getting cooked last game especially by Brandon I almost said Brandon Cooks, Brandon Ayuk, but will that open a door to, you know, have Joey Porter see the field more? Only time will tell. If it was me, I would probably give him more snaps, but again, I'm not an NFL coach, so I'm just a dude sitting here with a mic in his hand at his desk, so you tell me what you guys think are going to happen in this game. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. I think I have a sneeze coming up, so I'm going to pause really quick. It was a cough, not a sneeze. Anyways, let me know what you guys think is going to happen with that game. Browns at Steelers. I mean, again, I have a feeling that the Steelers might be in trouble and might drop off to week or sorry to 0 and 2. Up next, and this one I'm going to spend a lot less time on because I don't think there's as much to analyze. But Giants at Cardinals. Um, if I'm the Giants, I'm hoping to forget about that week one performance as soon as possible. And it starts right now. They're currently five and a half point favorites over the Cardinals, and in my opinion. You got to win by a touchdown or two in this game. You need just to get right. You need to put that game behind you. You know, starting off week one against a division rival at home, blowout game, 40 to nothing. That is not something you want carrying over into the next week. You want to forget about it as soon as possible. Um, seriously, you really want to be like having amnesia in this one. You just don't even want to think about it. You want to move on to the Cardinals. It's an absolute softball of the schedule makers. Go in there, take care of business, win by two plus touchdowns, expect Saquon Barkley to go crazy. And honestly, that's all I really have to say about it. The Cardinals are one of, if not the worst teams in the league. They're one of the most least talented rosters in all of football. And as a Giants, or if you are a Giants fan, I need to stop saying it like that. If you are a Giants fan, all you can hope for is just total and utter domination of the Cardinals because... I mean, morally, you need it. As a fan, the locker room needs it. I think all of New York needs it right now. Giants, go into Arizona, take care of business. That's all I have to say about that game. Up next, I have to talk about this one. Obviously, you guys know me. I'm a Bears fan. We got our asses kicked last week. Same situation with the Giants. Go into Tampa, take care of business. That's all I need to say. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Tampa's going to win. Obviously, the oddmakers agree with that statement because they are favored by two and a half points. Um, and I think that... Tampa's defense can definitely give Justin Fields some problems. Obviously, Green Bay gave him some problems. There was just too many turndowns as far as... Obviously, Bears coaching staff has talked about 
turning like moving the ball down the field more and pushing it down the field more and getting the ball into the playmaker's hands like a DJ Moore. But there were times where there were open openings. There was times where wide receivers were open and fields just didn't even take them. Uh, he chose to take the check down instead, or he chose to scramble out of the pocket. That stuff needs to be corrected. He needs to be more precise with the ball. He needs to work with more anticipation. Um, if you know me, you know that I watch a lot of film. I watch a lot of YouTubers who watch a lot of film. I get this stuff broken down for me week in and week out. And the film for Justin Fields week one was absolutely awful. And it wasn't just him. There was, you know, problems with the offensive line. And there was problems with effort with Chase Claypool, who I think needs to be benched. I don't think there's any excuse for that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just literally look up like Chase Claypool. I'm sure it'll be the first thing that pops up. Either way, there was a lot going wrong for this offense. There's a lot of stuff that honestly as a fan i'm very very concerned about and i would love to just see it a completely different team come out here in, in week two now will i think they will i think that, that they will do this no I do, I do not i think we're going to see a very similar performance from the bears i think bears fans are going to be in for a rough season because there was a lot of expectations on this team and it kind of blew up on our face week one and i think that's just a preview of what's to come for the season as much as i hate to say it I'm just being a realist right now, and honestly, if you have absolutely zero expectations, you can't be disappointed. So, I mean, other than that, again, you just need to see improvement from the Bears in almost every single facet. You need to be quicker getting the ball out of your hands if your fields. You need to be able to read the ball, read the field better, excuse me. You need to work with more anticipation. There's just... If you're an offensive lineman, you need to do a better job pass blocking and, you know, do better with your assignments because there was times where assignments were just completely whiffed or they were half-assed and it's just whew, super frustrating to watch. I'm going to slow down for a second here because I can feel myself like physically getting mad. So I guess the biggest questions I have about this game um, before I move on to the next one is... I already mentioned this earlier. Will Chase Claypool be benched in this one? If I'm the coaching staff, absolutely bench the fucking guy. I don't care that you gave up a first round pick for him. You never should have given up that first rounder anyways. Just deal with it. Just accept the loss. Hopefully the benching, you know, puts a fire under him. And he's, I know for a fact he's seen himself get lit up on Twitter right now. So hopefully that, you know, gives him a little extra motivation. Has him try a little bit harder because he is letting down an entire fan base right now. Um, next question is, again, I already brought this up, but can we see any type of progression from fields from last year to this year? And that involves everything I just mentioned earlier. Of course, will there be more offensive creativity? I don't even think that was like the biggest problem in week one because there were open looks there and there were times that you just got to get the ball there. There were guys open and there's no excuse not to throw it. And he chose to you know, throw a check down instead. Of course, there were times like perfect example of this. If you want to go look this play up. Um, the incompletion to Cole Komet in the red zone when he was covered by Rasul Douglas. What the fuck is that concept? It's literally just like four hooks and you're throwing it to... I, I get it. Fields threw it with anticipation. He threw it before the, his head was even around and it gives his guy a shot. But let's be real. Cole Komet is not going to create separation on Rasul Douglas, a very good cornerback. It's just not good design, not good decision making, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. My last question before I move on to the next game is can Baker keep it rolling and can he, you know, really establish himself as the guy in this locker room? Obviously a really good statement win in week one. And there's all these quotes coming out that he recognized all of Minnesota's defensive play calls and that he knew exactly what was coming based off of their signal calling. 
Um, so that's, you know, going pretty viral right now or what have you. And it seems like he's getting along with a lot of the guys in the locker room. So my question is, you know, can he keep it rolling? If he gets a win, obviously it's a huge step in his favor. So we'll see if he's able to do it. I think he will. And I think the Bucks somehow go on to 2-0. and Who would have thought? And the Bears, I think they go back down to 0-2. Sell the fucking team. I've said it time and time again. Just fucking do it, dude. Oh my God. I can't stand it. Up next, we got the Ravens at the Bengals. Bengals are currently three and a half point favorites. Um, I just really want to highlight this one again because the Bengals, they got their ass whooped by the Browns. Simply put, they did not look like themselves at all. Obviously, Joe Burrow mentioned earlier, dealing with injuries in training camp, had that calf strain, has been limited with reps. And I just think, you know, is this a week where this exact same scenario happened last week last year excuse me the Bengals lost week one they were going into dallas week two i thought they were going to have a huge bounce back game and dallas's defense just ended up completely suffocating them uh joe burrow looked really bad again could we see something similar here potentially i really liked what i saw saw from david ojabo for the ravens i think the ravens pass rush is greatly improved we know how solid this Ravens defense always is even if they aren't always like the top five unit they're they're just always around the top 10 they always seem to be very good so will they give the Bengals some problems is definitely something to think about but again will the Bengals just prove to themselves and the rest of the league that last week was a fluke I really think that has to be the biggest question mark coming into this game obviously division rivalry games anything can happen these two teams met in the playoffs last year without Lamar Jackson and it ended up being a very, very tight one-possession game that was basically won on a walk-off from a San Hubbard fumble recovery on the one-yard line. That game was absolutely crazy. My point is, by bringing that up, is that you never really know what's going to happen in these divisional games, even if you think, like, oh, the Bengals will bounce back. They're they're a better team, and Joe Burrow's not going to have a bad performance again. These divisional games are, by far and away, the most unpredictable, um, wonky games every single week. Obviously, there's exceptions to that, but consistently, they tend to be the most unpredictable games. And then my last question about this game is, can the Ravens hang around with some of the injuries they've sustained? Uh, Tyler Linderbaum went down in week one. He's one of the best centers in the league. They lost Ronnie Stanley, a left tackle. They lost Marcus Williams. It sounds like he's going to be out for a little bit. I don't know how severe the injury is exactly, but it sounds pretty, pretty severe. Marlon Humphrey is still not playing. He is one of the best cornerbacks in the entirety of the league. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins out for the season. Prayers up for him. That fucking sucks. Um, But again, it just really brings up the question, can the Ravens hang around? Some other matchups I want to quickly cover, and these ones I'm not going to spend as much time on. Um, I want to say the Bills are kind of in the same boat. They didn't necessarily get their ass whooped, but they kind of whooped their own ass. More specifically, Josh Allen kind of just single-handedly beat them. Uh, with the mistakes he was making the fact that Aaron Rodgers goes down in the very first drive and all the momentum goes into your favor of the Bills I don't think there's a single Jets fan in that building that's expecting you know the Jets to win after that one with Zach Wilson going in and just all the hype all the anticipation based around their season to see that happen almost immediately and to still win that game credit to the Jets for the mental fortitude but also like how can you blow that momentum as the Bills? It's just, and obviously we know how in in hindsight because there was three picks shown, uh, thrown, but it's like that never should have happened. That never, ever should have happened. You completely handed the, the game to them and they ended up winning in o- overtime despite, you know, three turnovers. That many turnovers, you'd expect the game to just not even be close at all. And frankly, 
it shouldn't have been close. Josh Allen completely beat not only himself, but he beat his teammates. And I think that they're, you know, they're going to put that chip on their shoulder. They're going to remember that and watch out for Vegas. They're coming into Buffalo first home game of the season for Buffalo. And I'm just going to say it now bills by a million. I just think that they've got, they've got to prove it to themselves. Josh Allen has to prove it to himself. And I really, really like the bills to just give, deliver an ass whooping this week up next Colts at Texans. Uh, Texans currently one and a half point underdogs over under of 40 points. What I really want to highlight about this game is just the matchup of rookies. Obviously, two rookie quarterbacks going at it. Trust me, you are going to hear it all week next week. Whoever wins this game, it's going to be like, oh, Stroud is the guy and he's better than Richardson and Richardson's going to be a bust because he can't throw the ball or vice versa. You have to go with the project quarterback because the tools are just too good and why would you ever take Stroud over Richardson? Never take an Ohio State quarterback, yada, yada, yada. You're going to hear it all. You're going to hear Shane Steichen comparisons to D'Amico Ryans because, again, think about it this way. This is what really makes it interesting to me. The quarterback's entirely different, right? Stroud, known as more of a polished pocket passer type of guy, and he's known to be like more of a not really going to scramble. He's definitely at his best when he's staying in the pocket. Anthony Richardson an athlete. He loves to scramble. A lot of RPOs, um, never going to slide, always going to initiate contact. And then even on the coaching side, it's pretty similar as well. And what I mean by that is D'Amico Ryan's defensive-minded head coach coming over from San Francisco, Shane Steichen, offensive-minded head coach coming over from the Eagles, spent some time down in LA with Justin Herbert, had a lot of success with him his rookie year. So there's going to be a lot of different influences in this game and depending on the outcome of it you're going to hear people being like oh you should always hire offensive minded head coaches and you should always take the risk at for a project qb and if it goes the other way then you're going to hear the opposite take you're going to hear like oh you should always hire defensive guys and then get a clean pocket passer and he's polished and you're going to hear it all i promise you you're after this game one way or another you're gonna hear it so just be ready for that and i'm really excited to see how this game ends up going because obviously neither of these teams are going to be competing this year for a super bowl contender well super bowl title i don't i said i don't even know what the fuck i just said but as a fan i'm still very interested to see what happens up next chargers at titans this feels like a game by the way chargers are three point favorites the over under is at 45 points um obviously it's going to be in tennessee this feels like a game that last year the Chargers would lose. I think they technically did beat the Titans last year. Now that I think about it, they played them in LA. Um, and I think they won by a field goal. They made a loss by a field goal. I don't remember entirely. But either way, this would feel like a game where Derrick Henry would go crazy for like 150 plus yards because the Chargers historically have had a terrible run defense. So I think the thing that I'm looking for most in this game is, is this Chargers run defense actually going to be good this year? Because they played very well against Miami last week, obviously didn't end up mattering Miami just threw the ball in every single way they wanted to last week but if you look at yards per carry if you look at efficiency metrics the Chargers actually did really really well against the Miami Dolphins on the ground so can they keep that success going forward and I believe if they can they should win this game pretty handily but if they regress back to how they were last year this might be a pretty low scoring game and it might be a very very close one expect either team to win by a field goal um again 
Vegas reflects that because if I were to put my money on it, I would say the Chargers win by a field goal. That's shown in the odds. They're favored by three points. So no surprise there. Up next, Chiefs at Jaguars. Jaguars are currently three and a half point underdogs with an over under of 51. Again, that feels fair. That feels very fair to both of these teams. Um, obviously, if I were to put my name on it, I would think the Chiefs are going to win. And I think it might go over in this one. But I'm going to be looking at the player props in this one. That's something that I'm really highlighting in this game. Um, we're going to get to favorite lines in a second, but that's more so game lines. Um, player props wise, I would definitely be eyeing uh, Calvin Ridley's over on yards. I believe it's set at 68 and a half right now. That's something I would most definitely be looking at because I think this will be a high scoring game. Travis Kelsey should be back on this one. I would definitely be eyeing his reception total. I have a feeling it's going to be around seven and a half. I actually haven't even looked at it now that I think about it. But both of their completions, if it's anything under 40, or not completions, sorry about that, attempts, if it's anything under 40, I would definitely be looking at both of those. Overall, I'm just really excited to see this game because I think that the Jags, you know, even with a loss, if they just keep it really competitive and it's a really good game, I think they can really establish themselves as true contenders in the AFC, which... You never know. They they potentially could be. This team this is a team that won a playoff game last year after having basically zero expectations coming into the year. Obviously, they've dealt with a lot of turmoil throughout this franchise's history. The Urban Meyer experience was just absolutely horrendous and that was they're only 2 years removed from that. So to be able to, you know, even if again, they don't win this game, but just be able to prove to themselves that they can hang with the Chiefs because Obviously, they went into Kansas City last year in the playoffs, and they were decently competitive until the Chiefs pulled away in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, if they can just, you know, keep it really, really close and competitive, I think it can go a long way. And I think that there's going to be a lot of Lawrence to Mahomes comparisons after this game. If, you know, the Jaguars do find a way to win it, trust me, you're going to hear Lawrence MVP conversations. You're going to hear it's only week two, and people love to exaggerate storylines, and they love to create these narratives. And it would be fun. It would be really interesting if Trevor Lawrence just takes the league by storm. And this is one of those games where it's like, yeah, I am here. I am Trevor Lawrence, and I am one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I'm here to stay. So that's something I'm really looking forward to as a fan, and I think that that game is going to be really interesting. Again, if I'm looking at lines, I guess I'd be looking at the over at 51 points. I'm probably staying away from that spread. I think it's probably going to be like a two- or three-point game, so I'm probably going to stay away from that. Um, but overall, I would definitely be looking at some overs on player props there. All right. I think that's it for key matchups. Yes, that is. I just got through every single one of them. Let's get into some of my favorite lines. I'm going to end the recording here and start a new one so I can get timestamps for you guys. All right. My favorite lines. This is easily going to be the shortest segment of the entire episode. I have a feeling that the key matchups one's probably going to be like twice as long as the next two combined. Um, I don't know. Maybe I get a little carried away in the fantasy segment. Either way, let's go on to my favorite lines for the week. First off, we have two absolutely terrible offenses and maybe not necessarily elite defenses, but defenses that can definitely make some noise. You might, you might put the Broncos defense in elite. If you haven't figured out by now, I'm talking about Broncos versus Commanders. Their over-under is extremely low at 39, but frankly, I think that's just right. I think it should be that low, and I am taking their under this week. I just do not trust either one of these offenses. I think the only way the over really hits, and of course, this could blow up in my face really hard, um, but I think the only way it like misses 
badly is what I'm guess I'm trying to say because I think even if it misses I don't think it's going to miss by much but if it goes like 10 points over I think I really really think the only way that that happens is if there's like a couple defensive touchdowns or maybe one defensive touchdown um, but overall you really can't anticipate on those things on happening uh, that's just a really really hard thing to you know see coming and guess but overall I really don't see these offenses doing too much the commander's offense did not look good at all versus the Cardinals defense which has pretty much no talent and the Broncos offense looked like the Broncos offensive last year. They're not throwing the ball downfield at all. Jerry Judy's still dealing with his injuries there. I think they're going to run the ball a lot and then do a lot of checkdowns with Russell Wilson. His average depth of target last week was abysmal. And um, this Broncos run defense played really, really well. And I know the commanders, you know, want to establish the run with Brian Robinson. I don't think that's going to end up happening in this one. I think Sam Howell will be asked to just do a little bit too much. And I don't fully trust him right now obviously wishing him the best um and i hope that he is successful in the future but from what just based on what i saw from week one again going against a really bad cardinals defense and not looking very good offensively at all and we know what the broncos are i'm taking the under in this game up next mentioned it earlier i like the over in the chiefs jags i think this can be a really really fun game I think it could be really high scoring and i like the jags to just keep up with the chiefs and just establish themselves as you know for real in the afc i already talked about that one so i'm not going to spend too much time on that one up next i got the over in the ravens at the Bengals. uh basically my logic behind this one is and i think that joe burrow's gonna bounce back this week and just trying to establish himself and even though the ravens are dealing with some injuries along their offensive line i still think they're gonna do enough in that asset and i think zay flowers is definitely someone i'd be eyeing for his receptions and his receiving yards those are definitely something that I'd be eyeing in this game, um, as well as Jamar Chase receiving yards, because I have a feeling it's going to be under 90, and I have a feeling that he's going to go for over 100, um, even if it is in the 90s, which I, I don't think it will be. I haven't really checked the books by any means. Here, I can do that literally right now. Let me grab my phone. I don't want to look this up. It's just obviously faster if I do it on my app. Um, so let me check this. Baltimore Ravens versus Cincinnati Bengals. One second, guys. I should have done this beforehand, but I don't really care. Um, receiving yards, Jamar Chase, 81 and a half. Definitely would be eyeing that. Just expect him to have a bounce back game. Marlon Humphrey still out. Even if Marley Humphrey was there, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. Jamar Chase is truly one of the best wide receivers in the entirety of the league. My book actually doesn't have Zay Flowers receiving yards odds, but I'd imagine it'd be around like 39 and a half because that's what Odell's is set at. Maybe a little higher than that. Even if it's like 45 and a half, I would still be definitely eyeing that one. And then receptions, I'm assuming he'd be in there right now. Jamar's is at six and a half. They don't currently have Zay's. Probably once it gets closer to kickoff, they'll have that one. But either way, Zay Flowers is clearly the wide receiver one in this offense. I'm going to talk about him in a second once I get to my fantasy segment. But definitely, definitely, definitely would be eyeing his reception totals. Because even if he's not getting like crazy looks down the field, they love to get the ball in his hands in the open field. That is one thing he's super, super good at. I compared him to Dante Hall last episode, and I really do think that comparison holds up. Another thing that's definitely worth mentioning is I'm really eyeing the over in this game because 97% of the cash is on the under. So I'm basically just betting with the house. This is an old strategy. Um, a lot of people don't like going about this strategy, but it's basically just betting against huge public opinions favorites. And the whole idea behind that is just you're winning with the book. We all know that these sports books are always the winners. So we always lose money to the sports books. In order to be a really good better, you have to separate yourself from other betters. You can't just ride with the mob and ride with everybody. If everyone has the exact same opinions, 
you know, the odd makers are too good at their job. They're going to end up winning. That's just how it goes. There's a reason why these books are always making money and they're always in your face with new deals and always trying to ask you to deposit. It's because frankly, more than half the time, <laughs> the house wins. So sometimes you got to ride with the house. The fact that 97% of the cash is on the under is telling me that the house might win out really, really big in this one. And guess what? If they win out, I'm winning out with them. So I'm taking the over in this one, basically going entirely against the public opinion. Um, let me know what you guys think about that strategy. I think it's really fun to bet that way. Other than that, I'm not betting on too much else this week. I'm taking my bets slowly because you never really know in the beginning of the year. Beginning of the year is where you're learning. You got to watch a lot of film. You got to find, you know, what are teams' tendencies? What are their identities? Obviously, some identities carry over from year to year, but betting is really just experience. And it's really just like, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it really is this simple. It's just learning. And it's, and it's, and it's just like, how can you predict one team facing off against another? Obviously, duh. But you know what that takes? It takes a lot of studying and it takes concentration and it, and it, sometimes you got to spend some time just learning tendencies of teams. And that's why first month or so of the season, I don't do go too crazy on bets and honestly those are my favorite lines but i probably i might not even take all of them i'm going to be completely honest also mentioned this earlier i'm taking bills bills by a million i think they just have a statement win against the las vegas raiders and i don't think the las vegas raiders are going to be that good of a football team this year i just think they were playing another really average football team in denver last week so again taking my bets slow this week that's going to be it for my favorite lines let's move on to fantasy all right Fantasy football. I'm going to go over each and every single matchup, tell you some guys that you should be benching, tell me some guys that you should be starting. Let's start off with uh, expect Dallas and their defense to be one of the top scorers of the entire week. I'm not talking about just like the top scoring defense. I'm talking about one of the highest scores, period, regardless of position, quarterback, receiver, running back. I think Dallas could easily go for 20 plus again. Obviously, last week, depending on your scoring format, some people even had them like. I think in some leagues, they literally scored like 45 points depending on bonuses and how your scoring formats is. I play standard, um, or no, half PPR, but like standard defensive scoring for the NFL app. If you use the NFL app, it's basically the same for all defenses. They got 35 points for me. I expect them to be near the 20s, if not in the 20s again. Facing Zach Wilson and this Jets offense, I think they're going to give them a lot of problems. Not only because obviously it's Zach Wilson, he tends to be a turnover machine, but more, even more than that, their offensive line is still really bad. Obviously, it's like the reason that Aaron Rodgers is now out for the season. And Micah Parsons and the rest of this defensive line is really, really good. Like maybe the best in the league. So expect Zach Wilson to be sacked a few times. Expect maybe a fumble or two and expect an interception or maybe two. So and maybe even a defensive touchdown again. Let's move on. Let's bench Alexander Madison. Uh, depending on what time you're listening to this at, it's actually no. You're that's just a bad call. No one's going to be able to hear this before. There's no way this is going to be out before Thursday night. And even if it is, it's going to be out like half an hour before. I'm so sorry about that. That's just a useless. But if you if you know me and you've been hanging out with me, and I have him on my fantasy team, he's benched this week. Just just a heads up. You're obviously not going to bench Justin Jefferson, but tamper expectations on Justin Jefferson. Uh, also bench every single Ram player. I know Puka Nakua just went off against Seattle. I know Kyron Williams had himself a really good day. Um, Tyler Higby is someone who, you know, couldn't be in and out of lineups. Matthew Stafford, perhaps bench them all. Just don't start a single one of them. 
San Francisco's defense is really, really good, and they tend to own the Rams. I expect that trend to continue. Just bench every single Ram player. I don't think I need to explain anymore. Up next, let's start Godwin and let's start Mike Evans. Both Tampa Bay receivers are eligible starts this week. This Chicago defense is bad, really bad, really young in the secondary, and they just got worse. Calgary Gordon is now out for the year. I'm not saying that he's like our best cornerback or anything, but Tyreek Stevenson, a rookie, is starting. Um, he got mossed in the end zone by, what's his face last week? Um, Romeo Dobbs. So tamper expectations there for Tyreek Stevenson. I do kind of like him as a prospect. Um, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't. I really didn't like him as, as a prospect. I was pretty mad when we ended up picking him. I like understood the fit kind of because he's like a physical outside cornerback. Um, and in that heavy cover too, you kind of want those guys that can play and press coverage a lot. But I just, I'm not the biggest Tyreek Stevenson guy. He wasn't even in my top 10 for cornerbacks. We took him in the second round. Don't think he's going to be able to cover Godwin or Evans in this one. Really like them. And then even Jalen Johnson, who is our best cornerback, um, you know, he had a really great sophomore year, but he hasn't really been the same guy for honestly two, two years now. So I would start Godwin and Evans. Uh, and it also doesn't help the Bears that they have absolutely zero pass rush. So Baker should be in clean pockets back there, even though his offensive line isn't great. Bears defensive line is just worse. So he's going to have clean pockets. He's going to have receivers open because the secondary can't cover these guys. Start both of them. Also, you're going to want to be starting. I just realized I typed in Swift, but I meant to type in Jameer Gibbs. You want to be starting Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery last week. Obviously, if you're a Gibbs owner, you were a little bit frustrated in his usage because I think he only got like six or seven touches last week against Kansas City. Dan Campbell said that was by design and they're going to ease him into the NFL offense and he's going to be getting more touches as the year goes on. Now, you might be thinking, then why would I start Montgomery too? Frankly, I, I'm not going to be surprised if this is a very, very high-scoring game. The over-under is at 47. It's not in my you know favorite lines segment of this podcast, but I could definitely see this being a high-scoring game. David Montgomery still going to get the goal line work. Even if he's not going to get 20 carries this week, he did get 21 last week. Um, you know, 15 just effective carries along the ground plus like five in the red zone that could equal a touchdown or two because I think they're going to get down there pretty consistently. I still think he's a very viable start. And then Jameer Gibbs, again, he's going to get receiving work. We already know that his yards per carry are going to be really, really good. And he's going to come in on those crucial downs. He's maybe not going to get goal line work, but we weren't expecting that from him anyways. And yeah, start him up. I mean, you probably benched him, or sorry, you probably drafted him in the third or fourth round anyways, so you probably weren't going to bench him. So this is more like just start Montgomery. If you have Montgomery and you're hesitant because Jameer Gibbs is going to get more work or maybe steal some goal line work, don't be worried about that. He's still a very good start. This offensive line is still really good. This offense period is still really good. They're going to get to the red zone, and once they are, Montgomery is going to be their guy down there. Up next, bench Joshua Kelly. This might be a hot take because Austin Eckler might not be good to go in this one. Shout out the boy. Um, hopefully, you know, there's nothing too serious with that ankle there. And, you know, you hope he can start in this one. But even if he can't, I still wouldn't be starting Joshua Kelly. I would be very wary of Joshua Kelly. I know he's getting a lot of hype. And now, you know, there, you're, there's going to be a lot of people talking themselves into starting Joshua Kelly, especially if Eckler's not playing. Because, you know, he was very good last week. Very, very good. And got a lot of carries and was basically 50-50 splitting the touches with Austin. So then if Austin comes in, you expect him to take like the full workhorse load. But I would say be wary of that because the Titans 
defensive line is very, very good. They were very, very good against Jamal Williams last week. I expect that to be the case again. Their secondary, on the other hand, is ass. So Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, those guys, start them up. They're going to get a lot of points. Justin Herbert could be in for a good one in this one. But Joshua Kelly... I know that there's going to be a lot of hype and expectation behind him. Just hold off on him. Um, you can still stash him on your bench because, again, he was getting plenty of touches opposite of Austin. And they were making the most of those touches. Their run offense looked really, really good that game. But I wouldn't go out here and start Joshua Kelly. And I know you're going to be very tempted to. So just don't, don't do it yet. Up next, start D-Hop. Basically the same logic. Um, this Chargers run defense was really good in week one. Their pass defense... Complete ass. D-Hop, I expect him to have a bounce back game this week. Um, expect him to play very well across from JC Jackson. Start D-Hop. Do not be hesitant. Up next, we're going to bench every single Colt and every single Texan. I think this is going to be a really low scoring game. There's a reason why it's one of the lowest over-unders of the week at 40 points. Um, I just think D'Amico Ryans is going to know how to contain Anthony Richardson and give him a really hard time. This is a really good secondary for the Texans. Maybe not really good, but it's really underrated. I'll say that. Jalen Petrie is dealing with a little bit of injuries, but I still like what they have there. Their pass rush was surprisingly good too. Um, overall, I just think that two rookie quarterbacks against each other and you know, two established coaching staffs, I don't really like that formula. The Colts were really good against the run last week outside of a few big runs to Travis Etienne, but for that reason, I'm not going to start Damian Pierce. Um that's basically the only Texan you would be starting, right? So I feel like that's the only one worth mentioning. And then on the Colts side of the ball, you're basically only going to be starting like a Michael Pittman or an Anthony Richardson. I wouldn't start either one of those guys this week. I don't like the, the cornerbacks lining up against Michael. Sorry about that, guys. ESPN transfer talk. Barcelona's financial challenges. Making Victor... Oh. Okay, I don't really care. Um, sorry, I just didn't recognize that name immediately, so it lost my attention. <laughs> Either way, I'm not going to be starting Michael Pittman. I don't like the cornerbacks lining up across from him, and I just don't really trust Anthony Richardson too much to do too much through the air. And then obviously he can make some noise with his legs and get some yards, um, maybe get a rushing touchdown in there, but I just don't expect either one of these offenses to have too much success this game. So I'm not starting a single Colt or a single Texan. Up next, if you haven't already stashed Romeo Dobbs in your league, I'm not saying you, you should start him this week. Maybe you can if you want to, but if you're in a really deep league and you kind of have to, but if he's still a free agent, go look for him and stash him. Romeo Dobbs, remember that name. And remember that I said that you should be targeting Romeo Dobbs in the later rounds instead of Christian Watson in the earlier ones. That might come back to bite me in the ass, but I like Romeo Dobbs a lot. I'm a big Romeo Dobbs guy. Also worth mentioning in that game, Bijan and Algier can both be started. You don't have to bench Algier. Um, Bijan owners, you don't have to panic too hard. I'm a Bijan owner, so I'm kind of panicking a little, but I'm not. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to contain my panic. And I think they're both able more than... Uh, I would hamper your expectations a little bit on Tyler Algier. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like the running back eight all year long or whatever he is right now. I think he's like the running back four because he got more points than Bijan. I think Bijan's the running back eight. Either way, they're both viable starts. Just tamper expectations a little bit on Algier. Don't expect him to have as many points, but I don't really think you are anyways. Also, expect Jamar and Burrow to bounce back. You're going to start both of those guys, but 
bench Joe Mixon. Still don't like Joe Mixon. If you know me, you know I was not touching Joe Mixon in any league. There was no way you were ever going to catch me drafting him. He's extremely inefficient. Um, was getting beat out in snaps by Samaje Ryan. Obviously, Samaje's gone, but Chris Evans is getting a bigger role in this offense. He is beat up, so people can be like, oh, Mixon's going to get all the work. I don't care. This Ravens run defense is really good. They've been really good for a while. Joe Mixon, not very good. He's just on a good offense. That's really all it is. Don't start mixing. If you can help it. Sometimes you can't help it because some people drafted him in the fourth round. And it's like, well, I'm like, am I going to start mixing or am I going to start fucking Alexander Madison? It's like, well, start mixing. You know what I mean? But it's like, if you're going to start mixing or David Montgomery, that's a conversation. I would probably start Montgomery. And I don't even think that's crazy. I really don't think I'm crazy for that. Up next, Zay Flowers should be started each and every single week. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but again, he, I've said it time and time again. I said it in the Ravens segment of this episode. He is the wide receiver one on this offense. He is going to be getting the most targets out of anybody. He's going to be getting the most receptions. He's probably going to be leading the team each week in receiving yards. Zay Flowers is the wide receiver one in Baltimore starting this week. Also, another guy mentioned worth mentioning on this offense, Stash Justice Hill. I'm not saying... That, to start him this week he could be a sneaky snart start excuse me snart um but i'm just saying stash him he was getting more snaps than gus edwards even in the goal line which is pretty surprising because he's a much smaller back than gus edwards but justice hill now with jk dobbins out he was getting a majority of the touches definitely worth a stash there also mentioned this earlier the jags kansas city game could be very high scoring for that reason i'm starting every single jaguar not guys like tank bigsby but evan ingram christian kirk zay jones obviously calvin ridley obviously trevor lawrence start them all start all five of those guys um i don't really think i have to explain myself a lot there i think this is gonna be a really high scoring game i think they have to keep up with kansas city's offense so for those reasons i'm starting them some sneaky starts for the kansas city chiefs could be jarek mckinnon i really really like jarek mckinnon i was very high on him he ended the year very very well he's a serious weapon in this passing game and i think he could get a lot more touches i was surprised by how little he was used last week but that script and that game just kind of got away from him so it was a little bit of, of a weird thing there but they re-signed him for a reason he's a big part of this offense jarek mckinnon can definitely be a sneaky start and then other than that you know who you're going to start in the kansas city chiefs offense you're going to start kelsey you're going to start mahomes i would be a little bit wary of everything else but Jarek McKinnon, especially in deeper leagues, like a 12-man league, if you're in a 14-man league, start Jarek McKinnon and do not be hesitant about it. Also, expect Saquon to have two touchdowns and 100 yards. Mentioned that earlier. Uh, poor Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall owners. I feel so bad for you guys. Like, that sucks. I wasn't crazy high on Garrett Wilson anyways, but I totally understood the hype because he was going to get the volume. He was going to be in the Devontae Adams role. I totally understand that argument, but now it's just one of those situations like, I guess we'll never know. Like maybe we have to just wait until next year. I mean, not maybe we do have to wait until next year to really see what that pairing could have been. And then Brees Hall is kind of in the same boat, not because, you know, there were any turnover on the offensive line or anything, but quarterback downgrades just it downgrades the entire offense. Brees Hall is going to be the identity of this offense. He didn't quite look like himself. And it's funny to say that because he had like 150 yards or whatever it was. He broke one off for like 80. But old Brees Hall, I promise you that would have been a touchdown. That wouldn't have been an 80-yard run. That would have been like an 89 plus a tutty or whatever. Whatever the distance was, that would have been a touchdown. I absolutely promise you. Last year before the ACL, that would have been a touchdown. Either way... Um, 
I'm sorry about you guys. That fucking sucks, especially Garrett Wilson owners. It's a not quite as bad for Brees Hall owners because it's just altogether like you know he's not catching the balls from the quarterback that's going to be throwing him and stuff like that. And he was still fantastic even when Zach Wilson was the starter um, last year when he was playing for the first seven weeks. So, but overall, it does hurt both of their values. I would say. Uh, up next, I wouldn't start a single person in the Broncos and Commanders game. So bench Javante Williams, bench Jahan Dotson. Um, you're probably going to start Terry McLaurin just based off where you drafted him. But if you can help it, don't start him. Patrick Sertan is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I think Terry McLaurin can definitely give him um, some hard some hardship because Terry McLaurin is an excellent wide receiver. But I wouldn't be banking on it, especially with the quarterback play that we saw from Sam Howell last week. I really just wouldn't trust anyone on this commander's offense that includes brian robinson as well just bench them all again if you can help it if you got terry mclaurin somehow as your wide receiver three keep him that way don't put him in your flex keep him on the bench just stash him he'll have better weeks than this week um i seriously think patrick sertan is one of the best premier lockdown cornerbacks in this league don't like a single person on either one of these offenses so just bench them all don't bench or sorry don't start a single bronco don't start a single commander Honestly, it's kind of the same with Saints at uh, Panthers. I think it's Panthers at Saints. I don't remember. I just wrote Saints versus Panthers, so I'm not sure who's at home. You're going to start Olave. That's obvious, but I would be benching Sanders in this one. I was really impressed with how good that Saints D-line looked last week, and I am not very high on this Carolina offense. Obviously, Bryce Young, he had some moments of greatness, but maybe greatness is a little bit of an exaggeration, but he had some really good moments. And he had some really rookie moments. And I think that's going to be pretty much how we talk about the Panthers all year long. And now he's going against the Saints defense, which is really stingy. They've been really good the past couple years. And their secondary is probably the best part about this defense right now. I expect Marshawn Lattimore to just have a field day against these Panthers receivers who, again, they're not good. This is probably their worst receiving core and just worst group of weapons, period, in the NFL. Um, So I really like the Saints defense to do well against this unit and there's a reason why they're three-point favorites and the over-under is only at 40 points. This is going to be a really low-scoring game. I don't expect either offense to have too much success. Um, but again, I expect, the, I expect the Saints to win the game. Don't get me wrong. But either way, my point I'm trying to make is I'm not going to be starting a single person in this game except for Chris Olave. And it almost goes the exact same way with the Browns versus the Steelers. This is going to be a bloodbath. It's another one of these interdivisional games prime time the Steelers are going to want it bad they're going to want to prove to their fans that because this is back-to-back games they have at home before they have a long road stretch they want to give their fans something to root for while they're on the road they want to prove that that home game against the 49ers where they just got their ass whooped was a fluke so I think this is going to be a really really like old school AFC North grungy get in your face football game and I'm really really excited to see it but it doesn't really make for good offensive play and it doesn't really make for a high scoring effort on either end again there's a reason why this is the lowest over under of the week I didn't even realize actually it's tied for it at 38 and a half and again it's for good reason the odds makers know what they're doing this might be a really ugly game I would bench every single player in this one except you're you're not going to bench Nick Chubb start Nick Chubb he's going to score he might even go for a hundo along the ground that's going to be the Browns identity in this one either way this is going to be a really really fun game and it's going to be led by both teams defenses 
Well, that's going to be it for me, guys. I hope you did enjoy this episode. Week two is going to be really fun. I might have another episode coming out tomorrow with a very special guest. So I'm not entirely sure. I guess we'll know when you know. If you're listening to this now, it might already be out. So go check out the channel at Murphy's League. Again, I am over on Apple Podcasts now. I'm hoping I'm going to start a YouTube channel here soon. So stay tuned for all that. Be sure to go follow me over on Instagram at Murphy's League. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. And I'm going to get ready to watch this Vikings and Eagles game. Peace out, y'all.